Hello and welcome to Handelsbank and Insights. I'm Daniel Marnie. On today's episode, we'll be reflecting on today's GDP figures. We'll also be looking at the energy dynamics across Europe as we go into this uh, cold freeze. And we'll also look at interest rate expectations in the run-up to the Bank of England meeting on Thursday. And I'm delighted to be joined by James Sproul, Handelsbank and UK's Chief Economist. So James, let's start with the GDP figures. Month-on-month figures up 0.5%, but does this show the UK economy is in good shape? Well, Daniel, um, no, unfortunately it doesn't. If we look at just, first of all, the the minutiae of the data this month, it's up a a little bit because of some increased spending through the NHS, uh, which I think both shows the importance of the the NHS to the UK economy overall, uh, and also shows the way in which the UK GDP figures are measured. So in the UK, uniquely, we measure GDP when the service is delivered. Other countries measure it when the the goods are paid for, i.e. when you pay the doctor or nurse, they measure the GDP, and we measure it when you actually get something from them. And in this case, what we got from them was lots of booster shots for COVID for older people. Obviously, that will fade over time, and I think the GDP figures will come right down with that. Looking a little bit more widely, uh, a number of things here. First of all, um, there's been some interesting stuff on retail sales. Uh, coming through. We've seen retail sales, and we're going to get a a full retail sales figure coming out this Friday. But what we've seen so far is retail sales broken down by area, certain type of sales, I should say. And what we can see there is that high streets, a little bit uh, uh, patchy there. And I think that looking at macro data probably doesn't really give us all that much insight in so much as uh, high streets overall still below their pre-pandemic levels. Uh, The the only area that's above pre-pandemic levels is uh, retail parks, which people really do like. Um, But high streets, I think it depends a lot on the high street. And good high streets are going to be doing well. And more in different high streets undoubtedly are struggling more. And shopping centers also not terribly popular. And I think that 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 might be some of the a shopping center that is tired, but also people uh, wishing to be uh, avoiding particularly crowded spaces. And we can still see that coming through. We also had some transport data this week uh, where we can see most people, in fact, 45% of people in the UK still commute to work via car, their own car. And whilst here in London, many, many people, of course, take the tube and, and lots of people take the bus as well. For the rest of the country, that's not the case. And so uh, it's very, very difficult. And it's always you know, the, the plural of, of anecdote is not data. So if you and your friends are all on the tube and thinking everybody else is on the tube, that's just not the truth. Um, and in fact, in the country as a whole, only about 3% of people are taking a tube or a tram. So uh, obviously various different different methods, methods of getting to work, which I think does uh, come through in terms of Transport is a little bit under where it has been normally. And again, that's just one of those things that's it's leaning on GDP growth. Looking a little bit further out, some of the things that have been really impacting, of course, we have seen a surge in gas prices. And that's, I think, partly as a result of the cold snap. And undoubtedly, we'll be seeing more of that. We've seen in this morning's Financial Times headlines saying that the UK government, or sorry, the UK power supplies have fired up coal-fired power stations. That's uh, undoubtedly both the cold and um, it's not being terribly windy. So again, that's a sort of surge capacity that we do need, we still need at the moment. I think ideally we would like to try and uh, depend upon other sources, but for the moment it's a case of do you want your house heated or not? Uh, and therefore that's a, a difficult decision. And uh, clearly people are saying, yes, please, I, I need that warmth. Um, uh, what's going on in terms of that gas pricing? Of course, the, the what happens right now is we see the spot price going up um, and uh, the, the energy price we pay is a mix of spot plus also uh, longer-term contract pricing. And those longer-term contracts do have an element. So when the contract ends, they obviously look at the spot price for, for what they renew at. So there is a, a blended cost that comes through to people, and, um, and clearly people are going to be seeing all of that. And also, finally, it's useful to remember um, that 
whilst the government has put in a cap on energy prices, that's on a cap on a per unit basis. If it's very cold and you use more units, obviously you'll be paying more. So um, that is, of course, crunching down on people's uh, spare cash, which is one of the reasons that we, while we've seen retail sales going up in the rush to Christmas, as is normal, we are not expecting to see them go up quite as high as they were um, in previous Christmases. So we do think there's going to be a little bit of a, a crunch down on consumers' ability to spend uh, over the next thing. But we'll see the, the actual data coming out this Friday. So arguably energy prices have been the primary contributor to the problems that we're seeing in the UK and Europe in terms of their economies. National Grid, of course, a, a couple of months ago, were even talking about security supply challenges. If there was a, a combination of worst case scenarios, uh, that could come into play. Do you think that could potentially materialise over Christmas and into January? I think that when the crunch time comes, you know, we can see that with the, the coal-fired power stations coming up, the government will go to, or the, the, the electricity suppliers will go to uh, great lengths to make sure that that doesn't, in fact, come through. And we've seen that happen not just in the UK, but we've seen in Germany, for instance, they're, they're flashing up some of their brown coal facilities, which, again, this is sort of the, the worst possible environmental outcome. But in reality, um, and I think that we need to bear this in mind with a lot of, of the environmental sustainability things, sustainable is really only sustainable when you're not asking large numbers of people to make a big sacrifice in their standard of living. And if that's what's required or if that's what's being asked for, you're likely to feel a lot more resistance from the consumer. So ultimately, governments, both the UK government but, but other governments, are very, very well aware of, and they're having to tread it pretty carefully. It's sort of that, that thin line between you know, the environmental balancing and the broader uh, needs, immediate needs of the populace. OK, the Bank of England's Monetary Policy Committee will be voting on interest rates on Thursday. In terms of what's been driving inflation, some of them are supply-side measures, for example, energy prices. Obviously, interest rate policy can't do a huge amount to deal with that, but we are seeing domestically-led inflationary pressures across different developed markets. Can you just go into what different central banks are facing at the moment and how that might all play out? Yeah, there's lots of different elements you're referring to there. First of all, let's just quickly look at inflation. As you say, energy prices are a big part of that, but not the only part of that. And it is useful to remember that inflation was uh, more than double its target level before the Russians invaded the Ukraine and the energy prices became a particularly big problem. So there were some inflationary pressures that were being felt through there before that. And they're really still there. And if we look at the came out of the budget last time and the government's expectations for inflation falling away. Yes, they have a large element of that is because uh, energy prices fall fall back. Um, I think that's probably reasonable in so much as energy prices aren't expected to rise further and therefore that will drop those the inflation, which is obviously a, um, a percentage increase number. But, and it's a very big but, we have not got anything like a long-term stable situation in the Ukraine at the moment. And it doesn't take an enormous leap of imagination to think that things could get rapidly worse there, and that could mean a spike upwards in energy prices. So that's one of the, the big cautions that we always have to take on all of that. It's also notable that when inflation goes through about 8%, what happens to businesses is they start having to reflect those energy prices into their whole supply chain. And they look and they see what are my suppliers, my customers, my competitors, what are they doing? And can I adjust my prices? And that, that adjustment of prices back and forth uh, takes often a year or more to come through. And we're only about um, three to four months into that. So I'm expecting to see a lot of that iterative adjustment of prices going on. Um, and they, they often doesn't fall away as anything like as quickly as one might like or expect. 
and looking at the longer-term data way back to sort of 1970-ish, the reports I've been reading are saying, gosh, inflation almost never falls away as quickly as is anticipated. And if that's the case this time, what we would expect to see is interest rates remaining at their above neutral levels for longer. And that certainly is the case here. So we think, for instance, as you're alluding to, we think we're going to see a interest rate rise to 3.5% uh, this week. We think we're going to see another 50 basis point rise in February, which is the next Monetary Policy Committee meeting. So that will take it to 4%. And we think it will stay there for quite some time. Now, what's interesting is we think that the neutral rate of interest, it's, it's, not, it's not an exact number. It's sort of a more art than a science but that's probably at, say, 2.5%. So the Bank of England will leave interest rates at above neutral level for a considerable period of time because inflation will not fall away as quickly as anticipated. So that's one of the big sort of calls we're making. If we look at you know, what's happening in terms of the Bank of, the Bank of England's agents' reports where they're talking to lots of companies around the country, that's a reasonably held view. If we look at what's happening across the Eurozone as well, uh, again, they're looking at hikes and then also leaving interest rates lower than the UK. But it's, at the same time, once they reach that peak level, that peak level will, will be maintained for a reasonably long period of time for the same re sorts of reasons, that we think inflation is stickier in much of the Eurozone, stickier in the UK um, than it is in other parts of the world. So, for instance, in the US, we're looking for um, a bit of a, a spike downwards, in part because um, the US the economy is, is more dynamic. It will recover more quickly than we're seeing in the UK and Europe. Uh, and in part because, of course, they've not had the energy price spikes coming through. And a lot of their inflation has been tied to the government sending everybody lots of checks, which has ceased as, as an inflationary element. So some differences coming through in all of that. Um, but clearly, the UK, we do think interest rates rising and, and then steadying from sort of February onwards and staying there for quite some time. And just to conclude, I have to mention quantitative tightening, which, of course, we're working on a paper on at the moment. Um, how could that affect the picture, particularly in terms of what you were describing as neutral rates? How, how, does, how does that feed in? Absolutely. So quantitative tightening, just to remind everybody, is the government had for a long time quantitative easing, which is that they went into the market and they bankably went into the market and bought lots of uh, gilts, primarily gilts. is £875 billion pounds worth of gilts, £20 billion pounds of other things. And they're now in the process of either allowing those gilts to expire uh, just naturally, or in fact, actively selling some of their gilt holdings. They have committed to selling £80 billion pounds worth of their holdings over the next year. And um, that's a reasonable amount of quantitative tightening. What is the effect of all of that? Well, given that one of the impacts of expected impacts of QE was to boost asset values, one can expect um, QT, the opposite of QE, to have the opposite effect, i.e. to undermine or to, to allow asset values to fall away. And um, how much, how fast is an open question, because we've not really done this before. Um, but there's been some very interesting work which you and I have been reading about and, and looking at over the last uh, couple of weeks. It could be uh, as much as 1.5% of, uh, or equivalent to 1.5% on interest rates. So you know, if it's 4.5% peak rate, it would have been 5.5% without having had any QE or, or then subsequently QT. So. Um, you know, there is, I think, a pretty notable effect, and the Bank of England is certainly wanting to see the full effects of just how much QT is going to have a, um, an act upon the economy before they, they, they make any longer-term decisions. So I think, I think they're right in taking a cautious approach here, but it is quite considerable, um, certainly in the longer term, as to how much uh, of that tightening effect QT is having in the equivalent of, of interest rates. Great, and we'll, of course, let listeners know once that paper is published within the next few weeks. James, thanks very much uh, for joining us on Hammers Bank and Insights. And if you've liked what you've heard, don't forget to rate us on the app where you're listening because it helps other people find us. And you may also want to share this episode on social media. See you next time. <laughs>